We've been talking about perfect love casts out all fear. At the beginning of this year, the Lord spoke a strong word for us that, that he's calling us to walk in love. I mean, that's not new, obviously. My goodness, if the gospel's not that, we're in trouble. But specifically in the area of the face of fear. You know, fear's a pretty popular commodity in our world. You know, we use it to sell all kinds of things. <laughs> and um, and we, we, we use it to vote in and get our, our favorite um, policies brought through. Fear is used in a lot of different ways, but you know what? Fear is not a commodity that God traffics in. He does not use fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. And so it's vital for us to step into who our dad is and who Jesus Christ is and who the Holy Spirit is. If we're going to extend the kingdom of heaven, we've got to be operating out of love. We can't be operating out of fear. And as we shared at the beginning of the year, that scripture says perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment, has to do with torment. And it says, dear ones, if you are not, if you are still operating in fear, you have not been perfected in love. And, and so as God is reminding us of that, as he's pulling us back into that, um, it's, it's, it suddenly creates a couple of, let's call them problems of success, but it creates uh, something for us when we say, okay, if I'm no longer going to be motivated by fear then what am I going to be motivated by? And how, how also will I remember to not do the bad stuff? A lot of us, you know, we, we have been used to using fear of punishment as the motivator to keep us on the right track. But then God shows up and says, perfect love casts out all fear, so you can't allow fear to motivate you anymore. And if you're like me, then you immediately start thinking, well, Okay, I kind of like, I mean, I like the part about not being afraid anymore. That sounds good. The problem I have is I know that I've been tempted in the past, and, and maybe even today I get tempted to do things that I know that aren't right. How am I going to be motivated to not do them if I don't have fear anymore? Because fear of punishment is what kept me from doing the, the, those, those things. And maybe for some of us, more importantly, fear of punishment I know is what's keeping my neighbor from doing those things. And so when we start talking about being motivated by something other than fear, those are, I think, probably the two main areas that would come up into our mind to say, how will we walk then righteously if we no longer have fear to motivate us to do so? You know, fear, if we're motivated by fear, there's really no difference. There's nothing supernatural about being motivated by fear. That's just your basic survival instincts. But God has called us into relationship. And so we're, we're suddenly compelled to take a deeper look because God shows up and says, perfect love casts out all fear. And in fact, we know that we've come into this kingdom through no activity of our own, but that we've believed on that man, Jesus Christ, that, that God the Father sent Christ, who was a propitiation for our sins. He sent Christ. And I, I love in 1 John, it says, this is love, not that we first loved God, but God first loved us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we've received love from this beautiful dad who held nothing back. And now we're left to, with this new life that we've been given, we've been born again into this new kingdom, we've, I mean into his kingdom, we are now a new creation, and now suddenly we're, we're saying, well then how then shall we live? How then shall we live if fear and punishment are no longer a factor in our lives? 
And so we begin to say, okay, God, then, then can I, if, if for, for some of us, and, and I think probably this crosses all of our minds, it's like, well, wow, if you're saying that, that sin is no longer a problem, then maybe I could just do whatever I want. You know, because you said there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit, which is in Christ Jesus, has set them free. So if there's no condemnation, then I guess I can do whatever I want. And, and, and there is a temptation. And I think probably if we're honest, I think every one of us at some time or another has actually had a day or two or a half a day or a week or whatever where we just practice that for a while. Hey, I got grace. Grace is good. I'll do what I want. And, <laughs> and he, he didn't kill you, did he? And you're like, and at the end of the week, if you're like me, you're like, oh, I don't know, that actually scares me a little more than if he would have just dropped the hammer on me because now I'm scared that I, that it's, that I can get away with it. Now I'm worried that I've learned a lesson that, that ultimately is going to destroy me. But isn't that interesting because what happened is fear just came back into the picture again. I'm afraid because I know I just dodged a bullet. I'm afraid because I know I didn't get what I deserved because my own conscience is condemning me. I did the thing that I knew that I shouldn't do and I got away with it, and it didn't give me peace, it created more anxiety. Are you, how many of you, this resonates with you, right? You're like, ah, I need you to punish me. I need a spanking. And God's like, I'm not handing out spankings. And we're going, oh, no, because that's the only way I'm going to be good. Some of us even have tried to punish ourselves, right? When I was a young man, uh, I got into a young man habitual sin, and so I would just pray to the Lord, Lord, if I do this again, you can give me cancer. I used to pray that to God. Father, if I do this again, give me cancer. Because I was going to scare myself straight. It was before they had that, the shows, right? Scared straight. Remember that, you know, that show? And they throw them in jail. This is where you're going to end up. And I was like, yeah, that'll work. I'll throw myself in jail. I've lived with fear in my life that I'm going to die of cancer almost my whole life because I told the Lord to give me cancer, and it certainly didn't help me get rid of the habitual sins. Fear does not motivate you to get rid of habitual sins. It just puts you back in bondage. I'm sure some of you absolutely resonate with that, right? Come on. So what do I do, though? Because God shows up and says, there's no fear in love. And if you're still in fear, then you haven't been perfected in love. And I go, oh, wow, that's a beautiful thought, Lord. I love that idea, but I don't know how that can work out in real life. So I want to I paint a picture here of what it could look like, then, to practice righteousness to allow God to give me discipline. And, and as I shared last week, I said, you know, spoiler alert, discipline. Discipling. Discipling. The discipling of the Lord is good. He is teaching us how to be like Jesus. It's the discipling of the Lord. It's not pointless, it's not arbitrary, and it's not punitive. But it is necessary. In fact, the Bible's very clear, if, if, if you don't, Jesus said, if you love me, obey my, my commands, and my commands are not burdensome. But if you don't love me, you won't obey my commands. Was he saying, go obey my commands so you can earn my love? No, he was saying, if you're wondering if you're following me, check to see if you're obeying my commands. That's the fruit that will come out of your life. If you've been born again, it will, become, it will start to become natural for you to act like me. You'll begin to embrace the discipline of the Lord. Your practices will match who you are. 
this is a, is a hard concept. At least for me, this has probably been the hardest concept of learning how to be at peace in Christ. He, he is the Prince of Peace, but I, I must say in my life I've experienced very little of it and, and, and until really recent years. And then, and then he just keeps blowing my mind. How many of you are so glad that God just keeps blowing your mind? Aren't you glad that he's bigger than the rules you wrote for yourself? Aren't you glad that he's bigger than the manipulations of men and women? Aren't you glad that he's, <laughs> that he's better than your own stupid plans? <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, I think we're the worst. We're the worst for ourselves. But he is. He is. And he's saying there's no fear in love. And, and, but, but we're going to have to be able to put that into real time. We're going to have to be able to see what that looks like. Because, we, because he has done something. He has removed punishment from the equation. And yet he has called us to be righteous and holy. And that, there's got to be a way to do that. There's got to be a way to live that out. And I think for most of us, well, I don't know. I, don't, I won't speak for you, but I know for me, that has been a very gray area with a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear in my life. Because, well, let me, let me show you this scripture. This is 1 John, um, and it's chapter 1, verse 4. Everyone who practices sin... I'm sorry, this is uh, chapter 2, verse 4. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sin, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins, and no one who sins has seen him or knows him. Now, if you're like me, you read that and go, oh, what? No one who sins knows him? Because I'm like, um, uh, I sin, Lord. That's a problem for me. And, but then it says, little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous just as he's righteous. I'm like, oh, good, because sometimes I'm righteous. I do practice righteousness. But then he turns around and says, the one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil's sin from the beginning. And I'm like, oh, no, I, I do sin. But then, I get, but then I get encouraged because I look at that word practices, and I get a little comfort, like, oh, 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 oh. he who practices sin. Okay, good. Good, because I'm pretty sure I practice righteousness more than I practice sin, so I think I'm, of the, I'm, of, I'm okay, I'm good, I'm of the Lord. But then I start thinking about practices, and I go, well, what kind of parameters do you have on practices, Lord? Because I know the things that I'm, I know I still have a couple of habits I'm working on, and I don't do them as often as I practice righteousness, but at the same time, habit sounds an awful lot like practice. <laughs> it means there's a certain meter to when you do it. One might say that, you know, maybe you go and practice chess every other week or maybe every two weeks. But I would say you're practicing chess if you do it every two weeks. And so then I might say to myself, oh, no, I'm still practicing sin. Then I'm of the devil again. <laughs> have, have any of you felt this bind before? So then Jesus comes in and says, but... Little ones, I'm sorry, Jesus speaking through the apostle in 1 John says, little ones do not sin. But if you do sin, confess your sins one to another, and he is faithful and just to forgive you. So I'm like, oh, good. But then it says, but make no mistake, those who are born of God cannot go on sinning. And I'm like, ah, I do go on sinning. So then I don't feel good again. So reading 1 John from the standpoint of a legal document just wrecks me. And I have read, how many of you know that Satan is the greatest lawyer ever? 
He, he really is. Now, he's going to lose because he's got hubris, and hubris doesn't make you smart. But the bottom line is, you know, he, he really does expect that he's going to get off on an, on an appeal at the last minute. I really think he does. And what he loves to do is take the scriptures and get you to read it like a lawyer. And then he condemns you with it. The law kills us. That's why Jesus had to be killed, because the law convicted every single one of us as sinners. So we have to have grace. Grace is not free in that God didn't have to pay for it. Grace is free to us because God did pay for it. So now we're in a different place. We're in grace land. Now we live in grace land. Now we, <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me, but it is. So now something new has happened, but we do have a, we do have a situation that we, that we see in very real time because we're not, we're not fools here. We do know that we can't just point at everyone who says, oh yeah, God's good and Jesus died for me, but then lives a life of sin. We wouldn't point at that person and say, oh, you're clearly born again. You totally remind me of Jesus. Because in point of fact, they just don't. So what would I say to myself when I'm, when I'm in that place where I'm just constantly practicing sin without, without repentance? Well, the good news is, I think we can probably say to that person, I don't know if you know Jesus yet. I'm not saying that you can't be saved by grace. I'm just saying I don't think you've spent much time with him. And I, I invite you to spend more time with Jesus. So let me, give, let me paint you a picture of this. I was talking with Jeff Starr, and um, I did say last service, and I'll say it again this service. If you ever need to get encouraged, just take the day off and go spend the day with Jeff Starr. Just spend a day with him. Just walk around, meet with people, go coach track with him. You will get encouraged. That man is an encouragement machine. And uh, so that's my plug for Jeff Starr. I just love him. But I'm totally serious. He would let you do it too. Jeff, I just need to spend the day with you. And uh, you'll, you'll get saved. So anyway, Jeff and I were talking about this idea of perfect love casts out fear. And as we were talking about it, um, we were discussing, you know, punishment versus discipline. And what would be the difference? What is the difference? For most of us, we've grown up where we would say, like, I disciplined my dog. And, and for some of us, that might mean, like, you know, I hit him with the, the, the buzzer thing. <laughs> um, and, and, or we might say, like, my parents disciplined me when I was a kid. And what we mean is we got to spank him. Um, most, or many of us, I won't say most, but I think many of us, we actually equate the word discipline and the word punishment as the same thing. And so I asked Jeff, I said, Jeff, what would you say is the difference between, like, how would you equate that? How would you quantify that? The difference between punishment and discipline. Because, again, remember the scripture says perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. So punishment's not on the table in the kingdom because Christ took all of our punishment. He took all of it. There's nothing left for it. In fact, I would say this. He took all of it, and there's nothing left for it. <laughs> So when you and I expect punishment, we're actually disbelieving in the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus. And we're saying, Jesus, you didn't do enough. There's some left over for me. I need to pay on top of what you paid. I don't think you had an indestructible life. And I don't think your sacrifice was enough. Now, none of us would meaningly, meaningly, is that a word? Uh, purposefully, purposely, purposely, there it is. Meaningful, purposeful. None of us would on purpose... 
accuse God of not doing enough. But in point of fact, it is a lack of understanding and knowing that he did actually do everything to defeat sin on the cross with the death and resurrection. We died in Christ and we are raised in Christ. It is no longer us that lives, but Christ in us. It is a complete work. There's nothing we can do to, to, to justify ourselves before God. There's nothing to be added to that. You can't get another spanking on top of the spanking that God got. He redeemed him. He redeemed us himself. You can't add to that. So, so there's no punishment left. So that's off the table. There's no punishment. So then where, so then what does discipline look like then? Because we do know that the Bible says little ones do not despise the discipline of the Lord. He's treating you as sons and daughters. So we've got to embrace the discipline of the Lord. And if discipline doesn't mean punishment, and I think I've proved to you that it doesn't, and Scripture certainly says that it doesn't, then what in the world is that supposed to look like? And so Jeff said, well, here's what I think, here's how I think I would explain it. God bless Jeff Starr. So as you know, Jeff coaches track. And, um, and part of the, 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 the call that we feel that God has for us as, as pastors and, and leaders and mothers and fathers in our city is that we go serve. How many of you know you're all in full-time ministry? Come on, you are. We're all called to serve our cities and extend the kingdom. Okay, so one of the things Jeff does to serve our city is he coaches track in our, in our high schools. I mean, in our high schools, in our schools. And, um, and he, so he shared as a track coach, there was a young person who runs on a, on a relay team. And this young person went and did some things. <laughs> I, I don't want to expose anybody, so I'm just going to keep this really general. But did some things you're not supposed to do that totally dishonored an opposing team and was totally outside of what you should do as a good athlete and as a good citizen and as a good team member. And the other coaches on the team said, you know, this is so out of bounds, like you're done, you're off the team. That's what we need to do. We just need to get rid of them because this is nonsense and they've lost their right to be on the team and that's it. That'll, you know, we need to make an example. And well, how many of you know that's punitive? That's punishment. Now, Jeff said, okay, well, guys, can, can we consider... Maybe a different approach. He said, because my main coach, and Jeff is talking about Jesus, but he always calls him my coach. My main coach always teaches me that we try to do everything in a restorative way so that we can restore relationship. So, so I feel like that's really punitive. That's actually kicking him out of the relationship. He broke the rules. He's out of the relationship. Um, and he should have known better, and that'll teach him. Basically, that'll teach him to be a better team player if we just kick him out of the relationship, and then he'll find out what it's like to not be a team player. And then hopefully fix himself, and then he can somehow get back on the team someday. And he's like, I don't, I don't think we should do that. I think what we could do is can we try something that's more restorative? So what he said was, will you let me try this? And, the, and he had enough equity with the other coaches. That they're like, you know what, Jeff? Yeah, what do you, what do you suggest? And he goes, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have that young man come meet me. I'm going to give him the option to come meet me. And it was for a certain amount of time. I think it was... I don't remember, but it was a decent amount of time, and he's going to come, and he's got to practice at four in the morning with me five days a week for a certain amount of time. And if he does that, let's keep him on the team and let's restore. Also, also, I'm going to have him go apologize personally to everybody that he affected by doing this, and I'm going to have him clean up his mess. And if he's willing to do that, let's, 
then I think, I think he's restored. And so that young person came, showed up every morning, 4 a.m., did extra practices, and went and cleaned up his mess and asked for forgiveness from the other people and has continued to be a great team member. Now, what's really awesome about that, if you, if you don't notice something, is that Jeff, the coach, he had to show up at 4 a.m. on the field and do extra practices. So it wasn't, hey, you know, go set up, hey, young man, here's, go put your GoPro on this post. Go out there and practice and then forward me the, the footage. No, he showed up and helped that young man practice righteousness until that young man remembered what it is to be a righteous member of that team. Let me, so let me, show you, let me show you a scripture, and then I want to come back and show you a picture. So we're still, we're still in 1 John. Uh, whoops, stop it. 1 John 1, 5 through 10. This is the message we've heard from him and announced to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Look at verse 7. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, so that's the practice. If we practice righteousness, we're with the one who is righteous and we're out in the open, we're in relationship with him. That's who we are. We practice what we are. You with me? Where are they? They're walking in the light as Jesus is in the light because Jesus is the light. So we practice what we are. Then we see if we do that, then we have fellowship with one another. So when Jesus saved us, he saved us into a family. He saved us into the team. You're part of the team. He didn't save you individually, just him and Jesus, just you and Jesus. He saved you into a fellowship into a family, you and Jesus. And if you read through 1 John, you can't get away with it. Dear ones, if you're practicing righteousness, you love one another. You love them like I love them. This will show that you're a believer, is that you keep loving your neighbor the same way that I love you. And if that's not happening, go back to step one. Be with Jesus and get saved. (laughs) There's no rejection here. It's just you got basically three steps. If you ever run into a problem, go back to step one keep walking in the light. That's why we're praying for revelation this morning. Lord, we need to know you. We can't give away what we don't have. We need to have your love in us. Are you with me? So we have fellowship with one another. And then this, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So sin is not a problem anymore. What happens if we do sin? Little ones, if you do sin, confess your sins one to another, and Christ's blood cleanses you from sin. Now, why is it important to confess our sins one to another if they've already been forgiven in Christ? Because it restores the standard. And this is really what all, when you look at the whole, the whole letter of 1 John, this is John speaking to people much like in our day saying, do not be deceived. Those who are practicing righteousness are righteous. Those who are practicing, practicing wickedness are not yet righteous. They're wicked. Wicked things are still wicked. We live in a day and an age where what our culture does right now is they're saying nothing is sin. There's a few things that are sin. 
there are a few things that are still considered sin here. One is being intolerant. So if you call anything sin, that is actually a cultural sin right now. That's one of the few ones. And if you hurt somebody else. But our culture is the judge of what that means. We don't really take responsibility for what hurts other people. That's totally subjective to a very short-term picture of happiness. Okay? But, but, but by and large, we are just like the, the Gnostics that we're teaching, that, that we're having the same teachings and that everything's on a, a sliding scale. We just create our own reality. Why am I bringing this up? Because we must understand what righteousness actually looks like. Now, God has said certain things are sin. He said certain things do cause us to have a break in our connection with him and a break in connection with others. They cause relational friction and relational breaking. And he calls that sin, and he hasn't changed the rules. Now, Christ took the punishment for it, so what do we do if we sin? Well, one, we need to know what it is. We have the scriptures for that. But if we sin, then does that mean now suddenly we're wicked? How does that look in real time? Well, let's use Jeff's analogy because I think, I think seeing this in real time is very helpful. The way that God deals with us because we have been fully redeemed in Christ, justified by his blood, and there is no separation between us and God, this is how I believe he deals with us. I think this is the way we can see this. So this is, this is uh, practicing righteousness. We're on the team, and we're in the circle of relationship. Dear ones, he who practices righteousness is righteous, right? We read that in 1 John. We're doing good. Okay, perfect. We're on a team. We saw that. If we're in Christ, we're on the team. We see that. And we've got the coach. The Holy Spirit is the coach, right? Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to teach you all things. He's the comforter. He's the helper. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead works in you until you all together come up into the stature and the maturity of Jesus Christ. So the scriptures sent us Holy, Holy Spirit to do these things in us and to teach us how to do these things. So we're on the team, okay? And we're in the circle of relationships. So like this, like this relay team that we talked about with Jeff, right? We're on the team. We're on the team. And we're doing good. Everything's going great. So we've got this picture. There you are right there in the middle. Coach saying, go team. Everything's going great. But then you totally blow it. You totally blow it. You, you did whatever you did. You practiced wickedness. The punitive picture that I think we're all used to and expect is <laughs> you can come back if and when you get it right. Get out of the circle. You're off the team. Now, when you figure it out, when you've, when you've dealt with enough repercussions of your, your sinny naughtiness, then maybe you can come back. But only after you've proven that you're practicing righteousness. Then you can come back into relationship. And I think this is really the picture that we get oftentimes when we read through 1 John and when we understand, when we read the scriptures because we're used to seeing it through the eyes of fear. But perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. So there's no punishment. So when you practice wickedness, actually the way God does it is like Jeff did it. The coach says, I'll show you how. Let me help you. You notice in this picture, the coach has pulled you to the side. But you're still, in the re in the, you're still on the team, and you're still in the circle of relationship. You're not off the team. He didn't kick you out into outer darkness. 
to go figure it out and come back that you've proved that you're worthy of being on the team. He already made you worthy of being on the team. Christ Jesus did that. But you were practicing wickedness. So the coach responds to you by helping you to practice righteousness. Hey, you are way too awesome to be doing that. What's going on? You're, you're my daughter. You're my son. You're, Joshua, you are way too awesome to be doing that. Come here. Come look in my face. What do you see? This is, this is what you're like, Joshua. This is what you're like. You see me, Jesus? Jesus speaking to me. You see me? You see Dad? You see Jesus? See Holy Spirit? This is what you're like. You're wired for this. You were made to be on this team. There is no part of you that wasn't supposed to be a part of this team. I want you on the team. Now come here, I want to I show you how to practice. Let's do this again. Pastor, uh, Pastor Red, I don't know if you, if you guys know, but he's an amazing coach, amazing basketball coach. He's my amazing coach here in the house of God, but he's, he's an amazing basketball coach, took, took, uh, took his teams to state. He's an amazing coach. One of the things he said again and again and again is he says, look, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Because you, <laughs> if your practice stinks, your outcome is going to stink. So we need the Holy Spirit, our coach, to come and say, come here, I'll show you how. Let me help you. What's his name? He's the teacher. He's the helper. And also, he's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And guys, we are dead in Christ. We died with him. And we've been raised now with Christ. You are a new creation. Your natural instinct is to be righteous. When you sin, it's not you being normal, it's actually abnormal, and the Holy Spirit comes in and goes, whoa, 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 what was that all about? Hold up. No, you're, you're on my team. We don't do that. We don't do that. Come here. Let me show you how we do it. And then he empowers you to be able to do it. Then you go, well, no, I really, 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 really want to do it. And he goes, no, no, no. You think you want to do it. You think you want to do it. Come here. Look at my face. Look at my face. Look at my eyes. Look at my eyes. I hold nothing back from you. I saved you with my own blood. I took away all punishment. No, no, no. That's not, that's not how you roll. Now, you may have been getting pleasure from that. That might have made you happy. That might have killed the pain temporarily. But that's not who you are. That's not who you are. Come here. Look in my face. Look in my eyes. And Holy Spirit reveals the Father. Look at our dad. Look at our dad. He held nothing back. He says, he saved you with his own right arm. He is always restorative. He will never reject you. You were made for this. You were wired to be on my team. I don't like anybody else. Okay, look in my eyes. <laughs> I died for them too. <laughs> you see, but it comes by revelation. We, we can't do this stuff without him. But what he doesn't do is kick you off the team. He doesn't lower the standard. If you're running a relay race and you show up with skis, you are not running a relay race. That is a different sport. Okay? It's the devil's sport. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just kind of had to. It was a slow pitched it to myself. Anyway, so here's the other part, guys. Here's the other part. You are in a fellowship of believers. You notice that they're saying, hey, I believe in you. I believe in you. Get back up. That is not you. Get up. Get up. No, you're not going to wallow there. I love you too much. Get up. No, you're not going to quit the team. No way. You're way too awesome to be stuck in this rut. You're not off the team, but you're not quitting the team either. I ain't kicking you off, but I'm also not letting you go. 
but I'm just, I did it again. It's the same thing that I always do. I did it again. I know. Of course it's the same thing that you always do. <laughs> That's the nature of the of things that entangle you. Now get up. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. But I'm worthless. I'm horrible. I'm blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? You may feel that way. Your heart is condemning you right now. But here's what Jesus says. There is no condemnation for you. Now get up. Let's practice righteousness. I don't know why it happens. Well, it happens every two weeks at 3 p.m., between 3 and 4 p.m. Let's start targeting that together. Let's practice righteousness together there. I see that you're weak every two weeks, usually between 3 and 4. Let's just go ahead and be honest about it, and I'll come help you. Because you're way too awesome to keep practicing wickedness. That's not even who you are. You're not even wired for it. But, it's, but I've done it for so long. Well, you're doing it less than you did then. And Jesus isn't kicking you off the team. So let's practice righteousness. Is he going to punish me someday? Look at Jesus. Ask Jesus if there's any punishment left for you. Well, he says no, but every time he says that, I feel safe, and then I just go throw in an extra sin. (laughs) Okay, look at Jesus. Let's go back. Look at Jesus. We need a greater revelation of Jesus. You need to see him. You need the eyes of your understanding to be opened. Are you guys getting this? Come run an extra practice with me. Oh, I, feel like my, I feel like my flesh is, is taking over. Well, you know what? Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Let's fast together. Let's teach your flesh that it's not calling the shots. You're not punishing your flesh. You're just reminding it that it's not the driver. That the Spirit of God is in you. Let's practice righteousness. Why? Because you were made for it. Because it's your natural instincts. It's your natural habitat because you're a new creation. Isn't that good? See, there's no fear. There's no fear in love. Instead of running away from the team and away from the coach, what we do if there's no fear is we run to the coach. Coach, ah! And he's like, I know. I know. I know. Come on. Let's run it again. Let's practice again. Let's get back to it. You mean so I can earn my way back on the team? You're not off the team. You mean so that you'll still love me? I never stopped loving you. Well, I don't know if my wife loves me. Well, you do need to go clean that up. <laughs> because you hurt her. Go confess your sin. What? One to another. Why? Because you've got to restore the standard. You've got to restore the standard. Now, if we just say, well, God forgives me, and so that's enough for me. It's like, well, God does forgive you. God does forgive you. But think of it this way. Imagine watching. <laughs> sorry, self-editing. Imagine watching a game where there's no rules. You don't know who won. You don't know who fouled. You don't need refs because, hey, it's all good. God died. It's all good. Just do whatever I want. Like, who wants to watch that game? That's just a bunch of dinguses just flitting around. No one watches that. No, no, you want to see people play in such a way as that they can win and you can know if they did. And you also want, why, why do you, I just went and watched the Ducks play yesterday, which was a great game. It was super fun. You know what happens if you foul? You get an extra shot or they get the ball, depending on what, what, what happened. If you, I'm sorry, if you travel, I always hate it. When I get sports, I look immediately at Jason and already know, no matter what I say, I'll screw it up. Here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. A game with no rules 
A game with no rules is unwinnable. And a game with no ability to make it fair if you break the rules is unwinnable. How do I restore the standard? How do I restore the standard? I, I, I heal the breach. I heal the relational breach. So in the fellowship on the team, if I've fouled, then I do the appropriate thing to restore the other team so that it's a fair game, so that we know that we've won. In our relationships, it's the same thing. That's why we confess our sins, because it restores the standard. It's not so that you won't go to hell. It's not so that when you get to heaven, God doesn't go, oh, there was a couple you forgot. No, no, no. That part is dealt with in Christ. He took every punishment. It won't be like, oh, shoot, I, oh, I lusted that one time, but then I fell asleep before I forgot to, uh, and then I died. Ah! No, that's ridiculous. That's, that's just legalism. That's just you actually believing you can earn it by keeping a good record. That's not the point. The point is, is when I sin against others, I'm in a fellowship of believers. I'm on a team. I have to restore the standard. And not just for me, guys, for the team. When you foul out of the game, your whole team suffers. You're not in the game anymore. You just took the team down with you. You see that? So this is a, this is a team sport. And God has saved us into that. So we confess our sins because it restores the standard. We practice righteousness, and it's only possible because the Spirit of God is in us, coaching us and showing us how to live this out. And when we fall short of the glory, we run towards God, and we say, God, I've fallen short. And he says, let me show you Jesus. Stand up. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you because you are revealing Jesus to us. I thank you because you've shown us what you're like through Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask that you, you are God on earth. You have come to teach us all things. You have anointed us so that we have the spirit in us that says you are sons and daughters. We cry out, Abba, Father, because of the revelation that only you can bring. We can see God only because you open our eyes to do it. And we can understand these things only because you give us revelation. So our prayer today is that you would open our eyes, that we would have greater revelation of who our daddy is, of who Christ is. Thank you, God on earth, Holy Spirit. Raise us up and complete the good work that you've begun in each of us. Let us practice righteousness. Let us love from that source that comes only from Christ as we together come into full maturity. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. The prayer servant team is coming. If you need prayer or encouragement, I please take advantage of that. God bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace.